0: You're listening to the Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. We come alive as a we are filled with the Living Word. A brutalized soul. We can fully rest in your truth.
1: Amen. Amen. Amen had a designer the universe has highly complex design scientific conclusion the universe had a designer Isaac Newton said this this most beautiful system of the sun planets and comets could only proceed from the counsel and dominion of an intelligent and powerful being Isaac Newton
0: The heavens declare the glory of God, and the skies proclaim the work of His hands. This is a truth that modern science only reinforces. This world and its place in the solar system, along with so many intricate and improbable circumstances, allows us to exist. As Pastor Danny will explain in today's message, when you look closely at the sliver of understanding science has accumulated, it leaves you with no other conclusion except that the universe requires an intelligent designer. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 with today's edition of The Living Word. To every nation
1: Socrates once said, the unexamined life is not worth living. I read somebody recently that said, the unexamined faith is not worth believing. Christians aren't to just have faith. Some people think that. Just have faith. Some Christians uh, innocently uh, sometimes say that. Just have faith. Well, not blind faith. I mean, we got verses like 1 Peter 3.15 that commands Christians to, and I quote, always be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. We have verses like 2 Timothy 10, verse 5, instructing Christians to, again, I quote, demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Uh, Somebody said, I think rightly so, Christians don't get brownie points for being stupid. I'll give you one more recorded for us in Matthew 22, verse 37, but it's an Old Testament passage from Deuteronomy. Love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind. The fourth one is all your strength, but there he just included those three. All your mind, all your mind. Engage your mind. Now, God doesn't want anybody to have blind faith. At the same time, faith should be based on truth. Now, let me take just a couple of minutes on this because it's important. Because there are a lot of statements out there uh, about truth. I hope you understand that false ideas about truth lead to false ideas about life. Okay? False ideas about truth lead to false ideas about life. Uh, One of the uh, statements that you might hear out there is this. Here it is. All truth is relative. Now, if you hear somebody say that, here's the question you want to ask them. All right? Is that a relative truth? Come on, put your mind in gear here. There's a sister statement to that. It's this there are no absolutes. The question you want to ask somebody that makes that statement is are you absolutely sure? (laughs) These are called self defeating statements. Then there are those who say there's no such thing as truth. Remember last week we looked briefly at Pilate's encounter with Jesus? Pilate said, What is truth? Well, truth was speaking to him. Truth was embodied before him. Jesus, I am the way, the truth, and the life. What is truth? And if somebody says there's no such thing as truth, here's the question Is that true? You see, it's a self defeating statement. I'll give you one more. You can't know anything for sure. You got it, don't you? You know what to say. Are you sure? Are you sure? Self defeating statements. Here's the deal. Listen, listen carefully. Truth is discovered, not invented. You don't invent truth. Truth stands alone. Truth is truth. (laughs) Truth is transcultural. I'll give you a simple example. Two plus two equals four. That's true on this side of the planet. That's true on the other side of the planet. That's true on the other side of the galaxy. Truth is transcultural. Here, you got me. Here, listen, listen. Truth is unchanging. Truth is unchanging. Our belief changes. I'll give you another simple example. For years, man believed the earth was flat. Now, if he just read the Bible, he'd have known that Job describes the circle of the earth. All right? But man for years believed that the earth was flat. And then man discovered the truth that the earth is not flat. And he realized for however long he believed something that wasn't true. All truths are absolute. All truths are absolute. Contrary truths are impossible. Now, this is not my forte of a message. So, if you're new with us, you just need to understand somebody that comes all the time, this is not my forte. As a matter of fact, I'm going to be putting words up here that, my goodness, words I don't use normally. Contrary truths are impossible. Now you could use a lot of illustrations here and I'm not trying to single out any particular group of people. Listen carefully before you close your mind and close your ears to what I'm going to say. If Islam is true, Christianity has falsehood. You turn it around. If Christianity is true, Islam has falsehood. Uh, You could say that about uh, anything in regard to truth. You can't have contrary truths. Okay, it's impossible. Truth is truth. Most of the world's major religions fall into one of three religious worldviews. Let me give them to you. There's theism. Theism is belief in a personal God who created the universe but is not part of that universe. Major worldviews that believe theism are, are religions are Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. They're theistic. They believe in a personal God but he's not part of his creation. Then there's pantheism. Pantheism is belief in an impersonal God uh, who literally is the universe. God is in the grass, and God is in the tree, and that's why you wanna hug the tree, and God is you, and God is everything. Major pantheistic religions are Hinduism, some forms of Buddhism, and many forms of what's termed as new age. The third major religious worldview is called atheism. And I hope everybody understands atheism. If you don't, atheism, the atheist says, I don't believe in any God. There is no such thing as God. Now, those are the three major world views, religious world views. But I want you to understand there is a person out here also. There is a person out here, uh, they're called an agnostic. I have a friend uh, from high school and middle school, we've reconnected after all these years, he lives in Ocala now. Uh, He was at my house with his family uh, during August and we had a a good time together, spent some time together, but he shared uh, at that lunch at my house that he is an agnostic. He's an agnostic. Agnostic is a person that's not sure about the question of God. They're not saying there is no God, they're not saying there is a God, they're they're agnostic, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. Okay. Now with that, all religious worldviews, all religious worldviews make truth claims. Okay. And if you want to know whether their truth claim is true or not, you can evaluate through scientific and historical investigation. And if you're really serious about it and you want to study it, Historically and scientifically, you will, if you're honest and open, you will come to the knowledge of the truth or falsehood about the claim. Now, here's where we're at and here's where it all starts in Hebrews chapter 11. Here's where we're at. The basic truth concerning the existence of God is evidenced by creation. Basic truth concerning the existence of God is evidenced... By creation. Now, what somebody believes about God affects everything else that he or she believes. Do you know that? I mean, it affects everything else you believe, what you believe about God. Now we're going to examine the evidence and use big words that I, for years, didn't know what in the world they were. There's the cosmological argument. That's actually what Hebrews 11 is talking about. Uh, By faith, we understand the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Cosmological is a big word made up of a simple Greek word, cosmos. Cosmos is Greek for world or universe. So it's the argument from the universe. That's the idea. It's the cosmological argument. The year was 1916. Uh, You will recognize his name, Albert Einstein. And Albert Einstein uh, did not like where his calculations uh, as a scientist were taking him. He discovered the theory of general relativity. I'm not about to try to explain general relativity, but it it has to do with uh, gravitation, gravitational forces. And what general relativity proved for uh, Albert Einstein was that the universe was not eternal. Because up at that time, Albert Einstein believed the universe was static and eternal. But if he believed his theory of general relativity, it flew in the face of his belief that the world, the universe, was static and eternal. It meant that if his theory were true, the universe had a beginning. Now, you couple with that with the second law of thermodynamics. And one of the things that law states is that the universe is running out of usable energy. You put the second law of thermodynamics beside the first law of thermodynamics, and what is that? First law of thermodynamics states that the total amount of energy in the universe is constant. I know, I've lost some of you. Let me bring it down to the level it had to be brought down to for me, all right? Here's what all that means when you put these scientific laws that scientists agree on, and when you look at them and you look at the evidence, it's like your car. And your car, when you fill it up with gas, and then your car has a finite amount of gas, and eventually, if there's no more gas put in that car, your car is going to run out of gas. That's what those laws state about the universe. It had a beginning, and it's running out of energy. It's coming to an end. But let's think about, listen, the main point. Scientific knowledge confirms the cosmological argument. Everything that had a beginning had a cause. That's the cosmological argument. Everything that had a beginning had a cause. The universe, they know now, scientifically, had a beginning. Conclusion, the universe had a cause. The fundamental principle of science, it's called the law of causality. Everything that had a beginning had a cause. The father of modern science, his name Francis Bacon, said, and I quote, true knowledge is knowledge by causes. You go from the cosmological argument, and and then you end up here with the teleological argument, and that's another big word. Don't let it scare you. I didn't use those words growing up either. And believe me, we didn't hang out and go, let's go have a cosmological time tonight. <laughs> Even though I did, especially when I was doing LSD. Uh, oh, thank God I'm over that. I was saved. Telos is Greek for design. Greek for design. So you have the cosmological argument. The universe had a beginning. Okay. What caused it? And then it leads you to this argument, the teleological argument. And here's this argument in essence. Here it is. Every design had a designer. The universe has highly complex design. Scientific conclusion. The universe had a designer. Isaac Newton said this, this most beautiful system of the sun, planets, and comets could only proceed from the counsel and dominion of an intelligent and powerful being. Isaac Newton Do you appreciate where you live? I'm not talking about Florida. I'm talking about the planet we live on. I hope you'll appreciate more after you leave this church service uh, where we live and the fact that we're able to survive because we live on planet Earth, and planet Earth is a tiny, tiny dot of an oasis in the midst of a hostile cosmic environment. We have on Earth, here's another scientific phrase, anthropic constants. Uh, Anthropic means human or man, and it's the principle called the anthropic principle. It's the principle that just came from scientist observation that the universe is extremely fine-tuned or designed in order to support human life on earth. Anthropic constants. Let me give you some of them. Our oxygen in our atmosphere comprises 21% of the Earth's atmosphere. Now, why is that important? And, it, and it's a constant. It doesn't change. Here's what happened if it would change. If it were 25%, fires would erupt spontaneously. If it were 15%, we'd all suffocate. As a matter of fact, scientists tell us precise levels of nitrogen, oxygen, carbon dioxide, and ozone are all anthropic constants. That if they changed, we would not survive on this planet. Get this one. I lost 28 hairs yesterday thinking about this one. Yeah, I know, they're almost all gone. If the gravitational force on Earth were altered by that amazingly small percentage, our sun would not exist. That's what scientists tell us. Let me read for you. If the centrifugal force of planetary movements did not precisely balance the gravitational forces, nothing could be held in orbit around the sun. For example, if Jupiter were not in its current orbit, the earth would be bombarded with space material. <laughs> Jupiter's gravitational field, listen to me, serves as a cosmic vacuum cleaner to pull things into its orbit that would bombard this planet that we will we live on. Fascinating. 24-hour rotation of the earth. If it took... Any more than 24 hours, temperature differences would be too great between night and day. If it were shorter, wind velocities would blow us away. This is one that is extremely interesting to me. The earth is tilted at exactly 23 degrees. If you change that tilt, alter it any bit slightly, (laughs) surface temperatures on the earth would not allow us to survive. Water vapor levels. Water vapor, vapor levels in the atmosphere, if they were any greater, they are now. A runaway greenhouse effect would cause temperatures to rise too high for human life. If they were any less, we'd all freeze. Now, that, that's just a handful. That's, you know what scientists have come up with? Scientists have discovered 122 anthropic constants that allow us to survive on this planet. 122. Uh, really smart astrophysicist guy named Hugh Ross a while back calculated the probability that these and other anthropic constants, 122 in all, would exist on any planet in the universe by chance without divine design. His calculation was one chance in 10 to the 138th power. I can't even think that far. Say I don't get that. Basically, his calculation said zero chance. Zero chance. Psalm 19. Oh, so many great. Things in the Word about this. Come on, read this with me, would you? Come on, engage, engage, and read this with me out loud. Come on, here we go. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. Is that amazing? Give God thanks for that. He's given evidence of himself worldwide, just by creation. Some of you are too young to remember this, but I remember it. I was a child, but I remember it. When the first astronaut stood on the moon and from the moon, Look back down at the rising earth before them. They read, you know what they read? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's what they read. John Glenn echoed those convictions years later when at the age of 77, he looked out at the space shuttle Discovery and he said, I quote, to look out at this kind of creation and not believe in God to me is impossible. Another physicist, Paul Davies, says, One may find it easier to believe in an infinite array of universes than an infinite deity, but such a belief must rest on faith rather than observation. He's talking about blind faith. In other words, you have no evidence for what you believe. I'm going to close with a couple of verses because I don't know if you're like me. You go, how could you have so much evidence (laughs) and anybody not believe? Because the issue is not the evidence. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3. First of all, you must understand that in the last day, scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming? He promised ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning. But they deliberately forget. They deliberately forget. That's willful. That long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and by water. They deliberately forget. Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them for since the creation of the world God's invisible qualities his eternal power divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse And the rest of that chapter talks about the downward moral and spiritual spiral of men who reject the very clear evidence And the truth about God. I'm almost done. I hope you're not going to lose the last couple of comments here. Best one volume apologetic other than the Bible that I've ever read is called I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. Isn't that a great title? Let me read you a section. No amount of evidence can compel anyone to believe it. Belief requires assent, not only the mind, not only of the mind, but also of the will. The great atheist Frederick Nietzsche exemplified this when he said, and I quote, if one were to prove this God of the Christians to us, we would should be even less able to believe in him. It is our preference that decides against Christianity, not arguments. If someone could provide Reasonable answers to the most significant questions and objections you have about Christianity. Reasonable to the point that Christianity seems true beyond a reasonable doubt. Would you then become a Christian? If your honest answer is no, then your resistance to Christianity is emotional or volitional, not merely intellectual. No amount of evidence will convince you because evidence is not what's in your way. You are. One beauty of God's creation is this, if you're not willing to accept Christianity, then you're free to reject it. This freedom to make choices, even the freedom to reject truth, is what makes us moral creatures and enables each of us to choose our ultimate destiny. God has provided enough evidence in this life to convince anyone willing to believe, yet he has also left some ambiguity so as not to compel the unwilling. And here's my closing question. I know we're in a church service. I understand that. Where are you? In regard to your personal response to God's revelation of himself in your life.
0: Thanks for joining us today to study the book of Hebrews. There's so much to learn, so we hope you'll keep coming back to study with Pastor Danny Hodges. You can find more of the messages from this series right now on our website, ccfstpete.church. You'll be directed to our YouTube page where you can find a number of teachings from Calvary Chapel Fellowship and subscribe to our channel. Come connect with us on social media as well. You'll find The Living Word on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and jump into the conversations there. You'll be able to find links to all of these at our website, ccfstpete.church. If you happen to be in the St. Petersburg area, we'd love to meet you. Every message you hear on The Living Word comes from a teaching Pastor Danny has shared at Calvary Chapel Fellowship, and you're invited to join us for our weekly services. Come just as you are for a time of worship, fellowship, and studying the Bible on Saturday at 6 p.m. or Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Find directions on our website. Again, that's ccfstpete.church. We also live stream our services. So if you can't make it in person, join us online. You'll find a link at the top of the page at c-c-f-s-t-p-e-t-e That's all the time we have for today. Feel free to read ahead in Hebrews and be sure to tune in next time to join Pastor Danny right here on The Living Word.